2: To start planning your trip, visit TNVacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Hey, it's Emily. And this is Bridget. And you're listening to Stuff Mom Never Told You. I am so... Super excited to talk about today, Lisa Simpson, the one and only feminist hero, feminist icon. I would go as far as to say,
1: I would say hero,
2: hero, iconic. Yeah, heroine. She's, an, heroine? she's, yeah, yeah. Heroine. she's, she's a an total. I mean, I think Lisa has collectively, uh, I, I has my collective projected hopes, dreams, ambitions, and admiration on so many levels. I am the first to admit that I'm a big Simpsons fan. Same. It was on often in my in my household growing up. Oh, we would plan dinner time around the Simpsons. It <laughs> Eight came o'clock. on, at, yeah, it came yeah. on at
1: like seven or yeah. you know, so we would sit down and watch the Simpsons and eat a family meal.
2: Totally, dinner had to be over by the time that the new Simpsons was coming on. Um And the Simpsons as a show is truly extraordinary and rare in a lot of different ways. This is not an episode all about the Simpsons. This is an episode specifically about the character Lisa. And for those of you who are like, ugh, I hate The Simpsons or I hate cartoons or you want to lump The Simpsons in with Futurama and South Park and a lot of other cartoons made for adults, don't tune out just yet. I'm here to make the case that The Simpsons are very unique and and stand out in a truly different way and that Lisa Simpson is a big part of what makes The Simpsons so great.
1: So The Simpsons, for those not familiar, it's an American animated television sitcom starring the Simpson family, which is... Lisa, uh, and Bart, who are the youngest kids. The dad is Homer well, and Maggie. Mar. Oh, Maggie, <laughs> credentials under fire. Listen, on the show, they always forget about Maggie. Yeah, that is a true. plot line of the show. <laughs> that's true. I am just... She's absorbed the plotline. I've absorbed the family <laughs> dynamics of, of, of the show. I watch it so much. Uh, so it was created by Matt Groening. Um, he conceded the characters in the lobby of James L. Brooks' office and named them after his own family members, substituting Bart for his own name, which is really sweet, Uh, It debuted as a series of shorts on the Tracy Ullman show in April of 1987. So if you go back and watch those old Tracy Ullman versions, they're they're drawn so jankily. They're not. They don't really look like the um, characters that we know and love today. And The Simpsons debuted on Fox December seventeenth, nineteen 1989, and it was an early, early hit on Fox. And it was the first show on Fox to land in the top 30 ratings in a season, and this was in 1990.
2: Yeah, it was a runaway success, and The Simpsons have stuck around, I think, been a huge formative part of many a millennial's childhood, because now they've become the longest-running American sitcom overall. All sitcoms, which I find fascinating. This isn't just the longest-running cartoon; the longest-running American sitcom. Um, back in 2009, it surpassed *Gunsmoke* as the longest-running American primetime scripted TV series, too. So since 1989, when they debuted on primetime, the show has broadcast 618 episodes. For those of you like me who spent your summer binge watching them all, thanks to FXX. Do you know that channel? Yeah, you could watch them all on demand and right. it's the best. It's insane. And they, they, I heard that they purchased the rights for all of the Simpsons episodes to be played, like one after the other, for a couple million dollars per episode. Yes,
1: the, I remember very distinctly when FX FXX was doing the Every Simpsons Ever marathon and it was a, a special time for
2: me. I just love their promos. Yeah, if, if someone could just play their promos for me, that would be great because they were usually like mathematical arrays, you know. Like an the, no, not arrays, um tessellations. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of weird Simpsons like uh, what's the word, um. Stoner art? Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> you were probably looking for a more, like, intellectual term. I was, I was trying to think of the word psychedelic, but stoner art totally encapsulates it. So, here's why I think The Simpsons are so great, and here's why I think Lisa Simpson is so important. Because still today, we have a dearth of strong female characters on TV. And Lisa Simpson is exactly that. She's a precocious eight-year-old daughter, a pre- uh, perpetually eight-year-old daughter in the show, which is part of what makes The Simpsons so magical. And she's outspoken, she's an activist, she's vocal, but she's also, and I think this is part of what makes her so appealing, she's imperfect. She's human, she has her down days, uh, she has her... Ego and pride, too. So we get to see her as a strong female character in a daughter role, uh, as strong as a little girl can be at eight years old and then some, but also shown in a pretty weak light in a world where uh, there really has been little forward movement for girls in the media in over six decades. According to the Gina Davis Institute on Gender and Media, uh, for nearly 60 years, gender inequality on screen has remained largely unchanged and unchecked without an educational voice and force for change. The level of imbalance is likely to stay the same or worsen. And that. Change is pretty bad when you looked at the numbers, right, B? Yeah, it's pretty bad. Eighty-three percent of film and TV narrators are male. The
1: institute's research indicates that some group ce- in some group scenes only seventeen percent of characters are female. These absences are unquestionably felt by audiences, particularly children, who learn to accept the stereotypes that are represented there. So, you know, when they see these these things being Women being underrepresented in media, they really accept it. You think, you grow up thinking that male identified people are the norm and that if you are not a male identified person, you are somehow abnormal because you don't see yourself represented.
2: Yeah, it's almost like I, I specifically remember not always viewing myself as the main character in my life. Were you a side character? I was a supporting cast member. And I don't, I'm not saying that like that was a thing I really intellectualized, but I definitely. I think it took a lot of growing up for me to see myself as the protagonist in my own story. Because as a woman, I think we're often defined by our relationships. Like, I am with this person. I'm part of this family. I'm part of this. Whereas men are literally presented as the main character in a lot of stuff. Even amongst the top-grossing G-rated family films, girl characters are outnumbered by boys three times to one. wow! And so something that Gina typically says, uh, Gina Davis and, and her research points out is that if girls can't see it, they can't be it. And I love the fact that, I just want to sort of set up the fact that talking about Lisa Simpson is actually important. And characters like Lisa Simpson are more than just entertaining and wonderful. They're important. They're, yeah.
1: yeah. The research shows that, you know, you you people need to see themselves represented on screen, whether it's little girls, whether it's trans folks, whether it's people uh, of color, it doesn't matter who you are, in order to internalize that you matter and that your stories matter, you need to see those stories represented in books, on screen, and all of that. And right. so it's not just... It may sound like it's just throwaway pop culture but it actually really
2: makes a difference in people's lives. Definitely. And some people might say, well, you know, The Simpsons debuted in 1989. That might have been true then, but haven't things improved? And unfortunately, they haven't very much, even though there's this great quote um, from a study called Boxed in 2015 to 2016, Women on Screen and Behind the Scenes in Television, in which uh, this Think Progress Piece that unpacks that study says, quote, anyone paying attention to the television scene can probably rattle off a fleet of high profile female writers, directors, and show numbers. And I would add in characters. Mm -hmm. We've seen more female characters, no doubt. However, Lawson, the author of the study, found that 79% of programs in her study featured casts with more male than female characters. The women only comprised 39% of all speaking characters, and most damningly, the percentage of female characters featured on a broadcast network program has not increased over the last decade. So
1: we've got a long way to go, y'all. We have not yeah. come as far as maybe it feels like we have when you actually look at the numbers. Right. So let's talk a little bit about why we love Lisa Simpson. Um, I think this Babe article puts it perfectly, um, and I love how they describe her. Lisa is a smart talking musically talented witty anti-capitalist philanthropic moral feminist and ecological apostle which we have always had and will always need and I love that right growing up Lisa was this figure who was allowed to be political and activisty and um but
2: still was this like sweet precocious little girl yeah and she, it was sort of subtle the way the writers wrote her in right they they didn't pigeonhole her as an activist but she, her activism sort of came out in everyday exchanges in a way that it truly does in real life. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just like having a, a woke kid. Yeah,
1: you don't... People <laughs> don't really... At least people that I know don't really walk around, you know, um, proclaiming they're, that they're involved in some sort of activist right. crusade. It just comes out when you talk to them. And I think over the years that we've gotten to know Lisa, it's just sort of... Whether it's her, you
2: know... Vegetarianism, Right. For you yeah. know, when
1: friends with salad, Emily... <laughs> Is that a Lisa quote? That's a Homer quote. Oh. You don't win friends with salad. You don't win friends with salad. This that you can unpack, as a vegan, you could unpack that whole episode. I know. Are you gonna
2: marry a carrot? Oh my god, <laughs> you're pulling all these like great quotes that I'm not picking up at all. I'm this so is sad.
1: like my this was a, a this is a microclasm of my whole life, quoting
2: The Simpsons and people looking at me like I have three heads. That's so sad, because I love The Simpsons, but I don't have the memory. Like I cannot mem- like remember quotes. There was a time in my older brother's life when I think he solely communicated in Simpsons quotes. That was his main. We form should of we should talk. Yeah. Shout out to is Ian Alex Alex. Yeah. Call me Alex. <laughs> I also love this Babe article because they they go on to say, listen, Lisa is the ultimate role model because although she has both the desire and capacity to change the world, her strengths and talents are attainable. She's relatable. She, too, is fraught with insecurities and doubts about her own self-image and intelligence. All of these serve to highlight and reinforce the issues that she Challenges. Most TV shows feature beautiful female characters who are flawless in both their appearance and confidence. The Simpsons contested these notions with Lisa to reassure and comfort young girls everywhere.
1: I love that so much, and I think they put it perfectly. I remember when Lisa was struggling with an eating disorder in an an episode where she's trying to be a dancer. Um, I remember her starting to smoke. I remember, yeah, all all her feminist icons
2: are smokers at one point. Yeah,
1: Um, and I, I think. You know, growing up, I always had this thing where I actually hated female characters who were these perfect little angels. They had this great shiny hair that looked perfect all the time. They never messed up. They never did the wrong thing. Um, I mean, one of my favorite shows is the Gilmore Girls, and I always felt that Rory Gilmore, as much as I love her, was a little too perfect. Unattainably perfect. Unattainably perfect. Yeah. And when she screwed up, it was... As if the entire town was like exploded, like, oh my God, Rory made a mistake. Right. And I just liked that Lisa got to be how we really are, right? Yeah. She was good and tried really hard and was really smart, but also failed, also had an ego, also had her problems. Right. Just like re- all of us. Right.
2: And one of my favorite things about Lisa, this says a lot about, I think, us, first of all. Like this is, again, I'm projecting all of my, like, childhood self onto Lisa, but there's an article, um, that in reading about Lisa, just to be reminded of all of her awesomeness, I was reminded that she's an overachiever and she's cool with it. But obviously Lisa is like the class teacher's pet. Obviously she's always raising her hand. She's always answering questions, She's always overperforming. But she gets grief for it. And that's important because the show doesn't, pretend like she lives in a world in which women who overachieve are treated very nicely. So I like that she's kind of a dork. She kind of embraces it. You know, she wasn't ashamed of being an overachiever. Leaves the hat. She joined Mensa. <laughs> you remember that episode? She was the best musician in the jazz band. She had a high IQ. Um, You know, she sort of taught girls that it's never too early to aspire to greatness and that effort is a worthy thing to, yeah. to do. Yeah.
1: I like, I like that so much, and I'm so reminded of her quote, um, why is it that a woman, when a woman is competent and powerful, they call her a witch, right? <laughs> like, that's exactly it. Um, I also love, I mean, this really is a, di- I think, the two <laughs> poles of Lisa Simpson could not be more yeah. Bridget and Emily, because I, I liked that she was a screw-up sometimes, <laughs> let her ego get the better of her sometimes. I'm reminded of the episode where, um, she gets a new neighbor, Allison, who is better at the saxophone mm-hmm. than she is, and so she, Drums up this like intense competition with her and it actually ends up being terrible for her and yeah. in the end she's like, oh, Allison's actually fine. Um,
2: well, she like had a, a lesson about female competition mm-hmm. and not being the best at everything. Right. Right? And she kind of hated Allison yeah, for a while. Yeah, she in that she, episode. she steals her diorama and replaces oh, it with that's a pig right. heart. <laughs> it's like the um, parable. What is that? Um- Edgar Allan Poe story that that... Right, because there's a lot of guilt. Because she basically does something morally wrong. Yes. Because she's jealous and envious of this... Totally. ...so-called friend of her. Totally. And I I, identify with that so much because... (laughs) You know, growing... Something...
1: When when I was studying literature and uh, unpacking these things at the academic level, one of the things I noticed is that we don't celebrate things like meanness, pettiness, spitefulness. And those are the... Everybody, it doesn't matter how nice you are, everyone is petty, mean, jealous. And we, when a character has those qualities, we write them off as bad. And I'm so much, I mean, I'm a petty, spiteful person in all the ways, (laughs) but I'm so much more interested in characters that are real in these ways.
2: Well, I think that's the genius of the show writers is that they allow these characters to be admirable and hilariously bad, right? Like they're so bad, it's funny. Um, They're complex in that way. There are a lot of specific episodes in which uh, Lisa wins our hearts over that we are going to dive into right after a quick word from our sponsors. And we're back, and we're excited to dive even deeper into our little analysis here of what makes Lisa Simpson such a fun character. But before we go sort of episode by episode, there's this tension we want to really underscore That's a healthy tension. It's not a huge part of the storyline, but this tension between Lisa's sort of emblematic third wave feminism that might be most resonant for millennials or Gen Xers... But Marge, on the other hand, is really representative of second wave feminism in a lot of ways. We see in some flashbacks from college Marge that she definitely has attended her fair share of feminist protests. At one point, she burns her bra. Right. (laughs) Which I find hilarious. And side note, that's not actually a historical, a historically accurate thing that feminists did, but the reputation still stands. And Marge apparently burned her bra for what that's worth. So we've seen that for sure. I think what's funny is, There's a healthy tension between the two of them that was brilliantly broken down in this article from bitchmedia.org called How Marge Simpson Raised Springfield's Favorite Feminist by Mary Grace Garris. So what I love about this
1: article is they really nicely highlight this kind of healthy tension that that Lisa and Marge sometimes have, and I see this reflected a lot in um, the current the current feminist landscape where you have a lot of younger women who are really, or younger feminists who are really advocating for this um, intersectional uh brand of feminism that a lot of perhaps baby boomer generation feminists might not be so familiar with. And right. so I think you see a lot of that. There's this great quote, Lisa is indicative of that hand in many jars thing that we tend to strive for. We're attempting to be ultra inclusive, to strive for large personal accomplishments and to, for lack of a better term, have it all. Marge, however, is an emblem of what happened to a portion of baby boomer second waivers. She isn't preoccupied with a lot of political issues, and while she does openly acknowledge the inequality between the sexes on a basic level, it's simply not a priority for her. Um, and this quote, I think, really highlights that, that sort of tension for me, that you have a generation of feminists who are recognizing the importance of advocating and speaking up on issues that perhaps are not necessarily specific to your own self, so, whether it's issues of, you know, um, trans women or rural women or poor women or. You know, disabled women. Understanding why it's important to advocate for those for women who are not like yourself. Um, I feel like Marge maybe will be cool with that on a certain level, but it's not something that is a real priority for her. She likes the idea of equality in general, but isn't going to be out there, you know, making noise in those kinds
2: of ways. The ways that Lisa definitely is. Right, and Lisa's ecofeminism, her vegetarianism, sort of. It elicits a bunch of eye rolls from Marge, right? I feel like Marge is the Betty Draper, like, pre-feminist revolution. She probably read The Feminist Mystique and was all about it. You know what I mean? So it's kind of funny in how she is pro-woman in a lot of ways, but isn't an activist at all about it. Right. And if not, I mean to be clear, she's a housewife, right? She's and not that you can't be a feminist housewife, but I find or it Or an activist housewife? Or an activist housewife, absolutely. And the the labor that goes unpaid done by women in the home, including Marge, often goes unappreciated, which is funny because this article goes on to say, quote, While her generation fought so hard to get into the workplace and establish their independence for men, something fell by the wayside, i.e. getting pregnant with Bart, and she spends most of her time making beds and cleaning up after Homer's mess. She continues in this great article to say, For what it's worth, Marge chose the life of a homemaker. Sure, she'll get a one-episode job every few seasons— like when she became a police officer. Which yes, we're going to
1: talk more about. Or when she became a painter. She painted oh, that. Yeah. yeah, she's had some
2: gigs. She's had some pretty cool gigs. I love it. Um, sh- is she in the gig economy? Oh, <laughs> Marge Simpson in the gig economy. I love it. So while she'll get a one episode job every few seasons, and she has a sublimated frustration about her family's lack of appreciation for her workload, but most of the time she contently owns the domestic sphere. Quote, it must be exciting to make a different set of beds, Lisa deadpans in Summer of Four Foot Two when the family goes on vacation to a summer home. I know
1: you're joking, but it is! Marge replies, (laughs) chipper as ever. I just love that. That's one of my favorite quotes. Actually, that's one of my favorite episodes. So this is the episode where where Lisa gets funky, she wears a different outfit and she wants to be cool, and Milhouse sees her like with a backward hat and he says, it's Lisa, and she looks like Blossom. <laughs> <laughs> I say that probably once a week.
2: <laughs> oh my, is this what she wears? Sunglasses that are like circular, sunglasses that are tie-dye circular, shirt?
1: a tie dye ha- shirt, a backward hat, and like mm. Birkenstocks. Everybody has those moments. Everybody
2: has those summers. But that's you're going to try in a new identity, yeah. And like yeah. you,
1: you, what I love about the show is that you do see Lisa try these things on, and she she's, does. she finds herself, and you get to watch it on screen. And just like we were saying before, it's great.
2: Yeah. And what's cool about this this Article and that, that sort of identity shift that Marge goes through and that Lisa goes through is it's never a done deal. They're constantly sort of fluctuating their feminist ideologies and they come, come to head on occasion. Um, I like how Lisa pushes back on her mom sometimes and her mom sort of rolls her eyes at her sometimes. It feels a lot like my mom and a lot of older second wave feminists that I know and how they kind of roll their eyes at um, young feminists who maybe supported Bernie in the primary for mm. instance, and were not feeling all the uh Clinton white love. yeah, all the Clinton love and and the sort of just fall in line because you know they felt like they were expected to because she was a woman and right. I mean it's diff it's definitely. That's, there's definitely a tension there. There's
1: definitely a tension. Um, this is a kind of a throwaway line in an episode, but so Lisa, her vegetarianism is a big thing on the show. And I remember an episode where I think it's when they're getting a, a nanny, uh, Marge is explaining how to cook for yeah. Lisa. And she says, well, I've been trying to sneak a little bit of meat into Lisa's food every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> right. And that, I thought that was so funny. And it really kind of, it's a throwaway line, but it highlights that, that sort of tension that Marge feels with Lisa where She loves her, she loves how independent and fierce and, you know, proud she is, but she also wants to sort of bring her down to earth a little bit.
2: And that is exactly what my mother's reaction to my veganism was, by the way, was to lovingly try to persuade me not to become a vegan. So I feel like there's definitely... The author in this article relates her mom's second wave feminism to her experience of Marge versus Lisa on these fronts, and I find that so, so perfect. So let's talk a little bit about um, Lisa's vegetarianism, because it's the butt of a lot of jokes. Yes. Do
1: you remember the episode where she becomes a vegetarian?
2: I don't really I remember it like it
1: was yesterday. She doesn't...
2: Like it right away, right? She was feeling like she was struggling, I think.
1: Yeah, so in the episode, this is a real old one. Um, she goes to, this is when she's a meat eater. She goes to a petting zoo with her family and she's having a great time. <laughs> she's petting these lambs and they're so cute and she loves them. And then she goes home and she's on this high from petting all the animals and her mom makes lamb chops <laughs> and she realizes and she's watching her family like tear into them, like, <laughs> you know, Homer eats and she thinks, Oh, These are the same lambs that I, that I was just petting. These could be the same lambs. And she has this one of those great Simpsons dream sequences where it's actually like a, like a lamb on the plate bang at her. And that's when she becomes a vegetarian. Her family is totally against it. Um, her dad in order to spite. So it's almost, if you listen to our vegan episode, it is the kind of thing where her family feels very defensive. They feel like they're saying, you know, some, You are not a good person because you eat meat. So Homer has this huge meat party with a suckling pig and blah, blah, blah. I (laughs) think at one point she meets
2: Ravi Shankar. (laughs) It's a good episode. Well, according to Bustle's article on nine ways that Lisa is the ultimate feminist, she actually finds sort of support and help in some of famous like some of the world's actual famous vegetarians, including Paul McCartney.
1: (laughs) Yes. She goes to the quickie mart because of who is a vegetarian. Right. And he's hosting like a vegetarian meetup or something. It's Paul McCartney. Oh, I see what you did there. You love your puns. I do love a good
0: pun.
1: Yeah, she and that's one of my uh Yeah, that's a really good ending for that episode. And she makes I'll never forget she brings in um what's that Russian tomato soup? Borscht? She brings in a pot of borscht to this meat party, and she says, it's borscht, and I've got enough for everyone. (laughs) Another classic Lisa (laughs) Lahn.
2: I love it. And I feel like the moral of the story is like, You can have unpopular opinions, you can hold your values close to your heart and live your life that way, and it can be lonely at times, but then you can also find a community of people who share your values. Yes. And maybe Paul McCartney will be there. Right. (laughs) And that's the goodness, that's like the wholesome goodness of The Simpsons. As raunchy as that show can get sometimes, which I know turns off some of my... Uh, right-wing relatives who mm. forbid their children from watching The Simpsons. Wow. They thought it was like filthy. And it, it definitely has its dirty, edgy, super hyper liberal moments, but at the end of the day, I think there's always a wholesome lesson to be learned. Well, that's why, that's one of the
1: things that I, so I should say I'm someone who loves cartoons. If it's a cartoon, I watch it. I'm that nerdy person really? who loves, I love, I watch them all. What are your other things? Um, I love Futurama. Yeah. I love Bob's Burgers. Yes. I love Rick and Morty. Okay. Um Really, there's not, if it's a, if it's a cartoon, I'm already sort of sold. I, I love, love it. animation. Um and so I think that's something that sets the Simpsons apart from shows like Family Guy or shows like South Park where I do feel like the reason why I keep coming back to it is this not I don't want to say wholesomeness, but that at the end of the day each episode, it underscores that this is a family that really loves each other, and right, that they yeah. have each other's backs, and that even if they fight, even if Bart chokes, you know, or, or Homer, Homer chokes, chokes Bart, Bart yeah. <laughs> they still really love each other. And I, something, and this, people are going to call me out on this, and that's fine, it's just my opinion, um... The, the thing I hate about Family Guy, and I hate a lot, I hate a yeah. lot about that show, but the thing I don't like is how awful they are to that, to the daughter character, Meg. Meg I know. For no real reason. She's just the punching bag of the show. And, and so. It's supposed to be funny. Exactly. And so, The
2: Simpsons. I mean, this is Seth MacFarlane's, like, go-to. Yes. That's uh, his jam. Like, yes. He's not exactly what we might call a feminist. Yes. Creator. I have a lot
1: of, bones to pick with him, I guess I'll say. Um, but yeah, you would never, even if Bart, even if Bart and Lisa fight, even if Marge and Lisa clash, at the end of the day, this is a show about a family that really cares for each other and loves each other, and it really, That family dynamic, I feel like one of the reasons why, as a family, we loved the show is Mm. because that reflects our dynamic in my own family, right? Where we drive each other up the wall, we make each other want to scream, we don't get along, we have a million opinions, we're always arguing, but at the end of the day, we love each other like nobody's business, we'll always be there for each other. And I feel like I don't see that on shows like Family Guy.
2: True. I would agree 100%. Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk through some of our other favorite moments of Lisa Simpson's feminism.
0: Can I rant for a sec? Please. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated, PNC Bank a National Association, member FDIC.
2: And we're back and we are loving talking about Lisa Simpson. I feel like you and I are just quoting Simpson's quotes back to each other, back and forth to each other. Totally. Which I could do all day. I could do all day. You know, it's interesting. uh, Lisa doesn't actually have a catchphrase quote. Oh, yeah. Like not... Eat my shorts. Yeah, or dough. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's lame. Marge has her. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Wait, what was that again? (laughs) People are like, ow, my earbuds.
1: (laughs) Sorry, RIP your eardrums.
2: That's so true. Well, we don't have a catchphrase either. True. So we got, we, we'll, we'll work on that and we'll get, maybe Lisa will inspire a catchphrase. Yes. I honestly think we should try to include as many Lisa Simpson quotes in our all future podcasts. In all everything. And all, see who picks yeah, up on it. Completely. <laughs> so what is one of your favorite episodes? With probably. Lisa?
1: That's a great question. There's so many to choose from. My favorite is probably the episode where it's, uh, Lisa versus Malibu Stacey. Um, Malibu Stacey is a, it's kind of a Barbie-esque uh, doll figure that is very popular. Um fun fact in Springfield, Wayland Smithers is like this huge Barbie collector, um which I love. But that episode, Wait, Which one is Wayland? He's Mr. Burns's um, Oh, that's his first name, yeah, Smithers. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. I'm so familiar I, I use a, I were on a first name basis. Wow, that's a big deal <laughs> for Smithers. Yeah, I'm like wait, is that his son? No, wait, that's definitely Smithers. Oh. Okay.
1: <laughs> so what I love about that episode is again, it really highlights this sort of feminist crusader that little Lisa is. And so yeah. even though she loves Malibu Stacey, she's so excited to get the new doll. When it's the talking doll, when you pull the string, it, it talks. And so she's like, oh, wow, I've been waiting to hear her voice, hear her speak for this whole time. She, This is very Lisa. She builds a little Model UN diorama and she sets her up at a podium and she says, the world has been waiting to hear your voice, Malibu Stacy," And she pulls the string and Malibu Stacy <laughs> says, don't ask me. I'm just a girl! <laughs> like this weird laugh. Um And Lisa's horrified, and she says, you know, a generation of little girls is going to think that this is what it means to be a woman, and if not, she goes to the creator of Malibu Stacy's house, play, voiced by Kathleen Turner, oh so goodness. she's got this sultry voice, who, I, which I love, Um and she works with her to create a new doll, which she calls Lisa Lionheart, and it's supposed to be a talking doll who says things like, Believe in yourself and you can do anything. Aww. Um, and it's great. And so it actually kind of has a, a bittersweet ending because all these little girls are excited for this doll, um, for Lisa's doll to come out. And Malibu Stacy ends up kind of stealing her thunder by they, they, the company re-releases the doll with a new hat. And so everyone oh, goes God. bonkers for the doll. But then she sees one little girl pick up Lisa Lionheart and, and pull the string and she says, Believe in yourself, and you can do anything. And Aww. it ends on such a nice, a nice note.
2: It's cute, and I feel like Barbie company, the Barbie company, Mattel's ears must have been burning. Oh, for sure. This was a while ago now, and I know that Mattel did a major, major rebrand in the last couple of years to be more inclusive and to be more feminist, really, yeah. in the Barbies that they were putting out. So it was funny to see Lisa, the little advocate have a voice in that matter. Definitely. I can't, you can't draw a direct linear connection between the two, but it's good to see that they were calling out the, the creators of Malibu, Stacy. Cause she said things like, let's mix a drink for the gentleman, right? Yeah. Like, didn't she say some horrible stuff? Yeah. Um, and
1: again, you really, that episode, there's a, there's a tidbit where Lisa is really annoyed at the things that the doll says. One of the things that she says is, Let's just drown our sorrows in a big bowl of strawberry ice cream. And so when Lisa (laughs) is trying to explain to Marge why this is offensive, Marge says something along the lines of... You know, don't get so upset about that. How about we all drown our sorrows in a big bowl of ice cream? <laughs> and she was like, mom, you're saying the same thing as oh the doll. God. Um, yeah, so I just, That's I think friendly. that is so great. And I think you're right. I think that, I mean, you certainly can't draw, and, and we're not trying to draw a direct correlation between that episode and, and Mattel sort of becoming more inclusive. But, you know, would you really have Mattel making Ava DuVernay Barbie dolls, which I own? Ooh. Um, you know, if it wasn't for folks like The Simpsons, You know, Lisa Simpson calling them out for, for being a little bit shallow.
2: I love it. I love it. One of my favorite, like, single lines that Lisa delivers was just a subtle, subtle mention, um, when Marge becomes a police officer. And we mentioned earlier in the show that we were going to talk about this because, It's one of those subtle, subversive lines that the Simpsons creators give to Lisa to sort of deliver in the middle of a show that's about something very different. And in it, um, when Marge becomes a cop, Lisa vocalizes her concerns about the prison system while on a tour of on a tour led by her mother of the Springfield police station. Um, So Lisa goes, Mom, I know your intentions are good, but aren't the police the protective force that maintains the status quo for the wealthy elite? don't you think we ought to attack the roots of the social problems instead of jamming people into overcrowded prisons? <laughs> Which is, like, not a line that any eight-year-old actually delivers. Sure, But I love that they give it to her. And Lisa's, uh not Lisa, but Marge's response is to make her hand puppet McRuff. It's McRuff, the yeah. crime dog! <laughs> Exactly, like using a hand puppet to be like, hey Lisa, help me bite crime. Rough, (laughs) rough. Which of course reminds us all of Scruff McGruff. Oh, yeah. uh, Of our early years. I forgot about Scruff McGruff. That's how they started to educate our generation on the police. (laughs) (laughs) So I was just like, those kinds of lines, man, in prime time, just delivered, just snuck it in there. I think it's just a perfect example of how the show's creators use Lisa as this voice of reason. I love it. And speaking of prime time, uh, pun a, alert.
1: Sounds like a pun is coming. Let's talk about what a big role math played on the show. This was surprising to me. I had no idea that all of, a lot of the creators of The Simpsons actually have really sophisticated math degrees. And one of the things they talk about on the show is how Lisa is the most sort of rational, quote unquote, in a math way, uh, character. And how her kind of interest in math and science and the STEM fields can really be a sort of good thing for girls. Um, I found this great quote. When I talk to school kids about the mathematics hidden in The Simpsons, I always stress Lisa's character because she is such a great role model for girls who might be budding geeks or nascent nerds. And that's from Simon Singh, the author of this really great book, The Simpsons and Their Mathematical Secrets.
2: Which I love because there's a ton of math, like subtly included in The Simpsons since the very first episode. Almost 1000% of which has flown over my head, because I'm pretty sure the like high level math jokes that The Simpsons include just never quite make sense to me. Uh, but what's less subtle is their use of Lisa as being the, um, the character who uses math to her advantage most often. So for example, she took her little league baseball team to the championship with the help of statistics. She became kind of like a bookie. Of course. I think Homer ended up abusing her skills too. Of course he did. <laughs> She delivers a paper at the 12th annual Big Science Thing, which is their school science fair, on airborne pheromones and aggression in bullies, which I think is so perfect for the show. I love it. I love it. And then she goes on to use math to help improve Bart's golf game. And when a bunch of benches fall on Lisa in the school gymnasium at one point in an episode, Principal Skinner cries out, she's been crushed. So have the hopes of our Mathletics team.
1: (laughs) I love it. Um, Also, sort of building off of that the show actually taps into real-world, I guess, math controversies. I don't know if you guys remember Lawrence Summers, who was the president of Harvard University, who at one point during his tenure, and I think this actually led to him you know, having to step down, he basically suggested that the lack of women in STEM fields was due to biology as opposed to other factors. And this caused a huge outcry, and he stepped down. And so then later, a year later... After this whole firestorm, this was sort of um, satirized on The Simpsons. The episode is called uh, Girls Just Want to Have Sums, which S-U-M-S, is pretty hilarious. Skinner declares, from what I've seen, boys are just better at math, science, the real subject. And after a hate campaign, he's replaced with a sort of feminist, radical, educator who kind of not only gets Lisa more involved in math, but then sort of also indoctrinates
2: her further into her feminist ideology. Right. But what I found so fascinating with that is she basically ends up rejecting Melanie Lightfoot, the feminist educationalist, as they call her, because she rejects that she needs a different kind of math. So Melanie in that show, in that, in that episode basically says, well, Lisa, we want to teach you a more feminist version of math. And Lisa, following in the footsteps of Sophie Germain, the great 18th century French mathematician who was forced to adopt a male pseudonym, uh, she disguises herself and joins the lesson intended for the boys. So they split boys and girls up for math teaching, which I think is absurd. And in doing so, she proves that she is indeed the best mathematician in the class. Um, and, and sort of, it leaves that episode in somewhat of unresolved territory. Yeah, over, like many Good Simpsons episodes. Right, 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 right. So they didn't go as far as to address things in that episode like the um, gender gap of women in math and what Lisa thinks it's due to. But when interviewed and asked that question as to why the writers didn't make Lisa come to a conclusion. They they basically said they didn't want to deliver some kind of simplistic or glib conclusion. Neither did they want to get in what they called, quote, Skinner-like trouble for coming down on either side of the issue.
1: That's so funny to me because, (laughs) I mean, The Simpsons always seems to... Like, other shows, I feel like, get involved in controversy for saying the wrong
2: thing or having the wrong message. I don't feel like The Simpsons does that. I I don't know. I mean, I'm such an avid fan that I probably wouldn't come across Simpsons hate. But I bet this episode will engender some dialogue on that. Yeah. I'm sure they've gotten it wrong in the past. Sure. But at the end of that episode, girls just want to have sums. Lisa declares, whatever the reason is, I'm glad I'm a girl. And I'm glad I'm good at math which I think is it's kind of a nice way to tie it up.
1: Yeah, again, I love that their episodes end with such a heartwarming, you know, good message, typically. I love that.
2: Now, one of my other favorite components of Lisa is her musical talents. So not only is she a mathematical genius, but she's also a whiz on the saxophone. And this is important because the Financial Times found in 2017 that around 97% of orchestra members in the horns section are male. So Lisa playing the saxophone doesn't seem like a very radical thing. Um, but in fact, it is, and it's such a anomaly that the writers actually made her play the saxophone because they just thought it would be kind of funny to see an eight-year-old girl sort of wrestling with this unwieldy baritone saxophone, which is extra, extra large, right? And what is the best part of this whole thing is that in a 1996 article in the New York Times, they basically came to the conclusion that there was something of a Simpsons saxophone bump amongst little girls.
1: So more little girls were playing the sax because of Lisa Simpson?
2: Exactly. They quote this uh, grade school saxophone teacher, Cynthia Sykes, who remarked that, quote, when the show started, I got an influx of girls coming up to me saying, I want to play the saxophone because Lisa Simpson plays the saxophone. She goes, I had no clue who this Lisa Simpson was, but I was relieved to find out. She had a permanent gig over there. (laughs) I love
1: it. Uh, Bleeding Gums Murphy would be proud. So proud. (laughs) So in case you thought we could get through one sminty episode without talking about Donald Trump... Think again. Trump alert. Trump alert. <laughs> trigger uh, warning. Trigger warning slash Trump alert. Uh, he shows up in this one, too. Um, the Simpsons actually kind of predicted, in a kind of way, uh, Trump becoming president in the episode where Lisa is having her future predicted. She's president of the United States. She calls herself the first straight female president of the United States.
2: Which I thought was... an like a radical addition to that line. Totally. That they didn't have to include, but I love that they did. Totally.
1: Um, so she's speaking about her presidential predecessor and she says to her cabinet, I know we inherited a mess from President Trump and <laughs> here we are, 2017 and that's come to fruition.
2: I know. I love this. It's the episode Bart to the Future and Lisa basically sits down and says, you know, I know we're tasked with cleaning up the national debt caused by the president." of Donald Trump, which just makes me want to vote Lisa Simpson 2020 all the way.
1: Oh, I would totally vote Lisa Simpson. I would vote Lisa Simpson and then I would have my dream... Female character uh, lineup would be Lisa Simpson as president. VP? Uh, VP, maybe Daria. No, no, I know oh, exactly who it is. Yeah. Um, j- uh, Jodi from Daria, the black character who is yes. very, very into school. Oh, she would be my my VP. She would be a brilliant um, VP. I think maybe Daria could be um, Secretary of State, uh, maybe for comms director. Oh my God, um, I love this, this is really fun.
2: <laughs> um, Meg? Oh,
0: Meg! I I
1: want
2: Meg to get some love. Yeah, maybe Department of Defense. Yeah.
1: Oh, I like that. That's good. Um, The girl who played um, Spinelli on the show Risa, she might be Department of Defense. Oh, I
2: love her. Yeah, this is fun. Remember Hey Arnold?
1: Oh, do I? Helga! Gotta get her in the mix!
2: (laughs) Oh my god, Sminty listeners, please tell us who else should be in the ideal Lisa Simpson for president, cabinet. Um, I cannot wait to hear what you come up with. I hope you've enjoyed this as much as we have. I feel like we could talk about Lisa Simpson all day, but she has hashtag goals when it comes to family dynamic, like you were mentioning earlier before the break. And just being an outspoken feminist, no matter your age, no matter your size, she sort of proves that you can be more than what people expect from you.
1: So, we want to hear from you. Tell us your ideal car- cartoon character presidential <laughs> cabinet lineup. Uh, tell us what Lisa Simpson meant for you. Maybe you didn't watch The Simpsons and you had a different, you know, cartoon feminist icon growing up. We want to hear it all. You can get up with us on Instagram at Stuff Mom Never Told You, on Twitter at Mom Stuff Podcast, or a good old fashioned email at Mom Stuff at HowStuffWorks.com.